I'm Garrett. And I'm Daniel. And this is Modern Gaze. On today's episode, we're unraveling the intricate process of surrogacy and IVF, and specifically how it works for the LGBTQ plus community. We're joined by Richard Westaby, who's not just a parent through surrogacy himself, but also the author of Our Journey, A Couple's Guide to U.S. Surrogacy, which we think is a vital resource for international intended parents. Richard, along with Julio Gaggia, co-host of the podcast IVF Daddies, is also here to talk all about family building and shared experiences of raising a family. So whether you're taking the first step towards family building or you're just curious about the process, this episode is for you. Richard and Julio, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Welcome to Melbourne. Thank yes. you. Welcome yes. to Melbourne. We are loving it. Is this your first time here? This is my first time in Australia, my first time in Melbourne. And where are you from, Julio? Well, complicated. I was, I'm born in Venezuela, Italian family, grew up in New York. Now I live in Madrid and London. Wow. So what do you think? The food has been phenomenal. Coffee in Melbourne has been outstanding. And the yeah. weather has and turned the, on. And the weather. the weather. But what I love and I understand the most about you, like from Venezuela, we grew up with uh, tropical Christmas, New Year's. Uh-huh. Mm. So I think for that, we can relate to have oh, warm weather. Christmas with snow and cold. Yeah, see, I love that. Yeah. We have so many friends uh, here. They're like, oh, you know, I'm looking for a, a white Christmas. I was well, like, oh, it's yeah. cute. Like the, the, the moment it falls from yeah. the sky, you're like, oh, this yeah. is majestic. And like, uh, oh. I can't deal with the cold weather. Quickly you're freezing and you're yeah. over it. And then you're like, get me inside. Yeah. Absolutely. But okay, anyway, so you're to- <laughs> in Melbourne. And yes. what, so why are you guys here? What are you working on? Who are you meeting? So I have been here. I was talking at a conference about how to make babies and an alternative method um, because I have two children through IVF egg donation and surrogacy. And part of my aim in life is educating people on how to basically make a family in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so difficult to know where to turn to. Mm-hmm. There's, I always say that you go online and there's so much information that you don't know. Correct. What, what am I supposed to be looking at? Who is telling me the truth? Is somebody saying do this because it's in their favor? Right. Or is it really do this because it's better for me? Absolutely. Um, So I I was talking at a conference. I've been seeing some people here today and then Julio is here with me too. And the reason that I'm here is because of IBF daddy. So I'm trying to record as much as possible and to meet a lot of people in the field. I live in between uh, London and Madrid, and you can see that the law is completely different in every country and uh-huh. the jurisdictions. And in the US, uh, it's like everything is legal, everything is perfect. And then you come back to Europe, and then you have to re-adopt your kid mm. and all of this. Mm. Yeah. Back to like me. The, the legal implications and the process is so different from like country to country. Like we, yeah. When it's we the same s- for Australia, really. Yeah. Australia is very similar in that, in that regard. And I'm from Los Angeles and I know just so many friends and family that have gone through IVF journeys and not that, that they were easy by any means, but they had so much Access option and access and education. And it wasn't at all like a taboo or judgmental conversation. It was just so simple to find the right help. And here it's it's a bit different. It's known, it's understood. People have been doing it in California for 30 years. Right. Mm -hmm. The United States, I always say, is the global benchmark on 
IVF and surrogacy yeah. because everybody is legally protected. Correct. Everybody is empowered to make choices. And yeah. like you always say, it's ethical, right? Like and it's, it's ethical, right? Yeah. The, the minute somebody says, I don't want to do this or I'm not feeling good about this, or one of the professionals says, hey, really not liking this, the process stops. Right. You understand why and you discuss it and you communicate and you go through. And sometimes you sit there and you say, I'm sorry, but this isn't right. Mm, and you need correct. to figure out what you're going to do. And that's, and this is one of the challenges I think with um, any Commonwealth country, because basically Australian law is based on Commonwealth law, right? Which is UK law in effect. Correct. Where you're not allowed to have surrogacy agencies. You're not allowed to pay a surrogate. Like the law is very strict, strict. on what you can mm. and cannot Has do. Has to be altruistic for surrogate. Absolutely. Voluntary. Exactly. What they should be doing is actually bringing that law up to date, mm -hmm. which is what they should be doing, in my opinion, is putting in the regulation to protect everybody. Absolutely. Mm. And that is what they're not doing. They're burying their head in the sand saying, you just can't do it. Mm. End of story. And that, I think, is the wrong way to do anything. Yeah. Right? It's because what does that do? It then leads people in this country to go underground. Elsewhere other countries yeah. elsewhere where they can be taken advantage yeah. of yeah. instead of being in a in an environment where they're protected. Which is so right. crazy to me, especially being an Australian, because gay marriage is legal. You can adopt, but surrogacy is like looked at so differently. It's a taboo. Yeah, it's so taboo. IVF, surprisingly, in general, is still taboo in this country. Yes. Interesting. More well, than in the US, at least, from my own experience. Well, for, for my understanding... There are laws that were made a long time ago, and back in the day, you wouldn't imagine that a baby belongs to any other person that the person that birthed Doesn't the deliver. baby. Mm -hmm. So, and I can understand that some countries have budgets for other laws that are more important, mm -hmm. and why not to change it? But then, I don't know anybody from Venezuela or uh, my background that had anything to do with IVF. Wow. Other than one friend of mine from Venezuela in New York that f I was a lot holding her hand through the process of raising her eggs. Yeah. But it was always on the point of view of you're too successful. You're going to intimidate men. You're never going to get married. You're never going to have kids. Right. And that uh, it, it was, then you get the injections, you get the hormones, and then it wasn't a happy process at mm. all. And then uh, my friend and I, we were just investigating like obsessive people, just like, I read on the internet that if you eat this type of raw sea urchin at this restaurant, you can get the best quality of eggs. So we were just oh, the like oysters that we started eating. We were just yeah, like, we were, not this we were just scrapping <laughs> information of the internet right. to the might be holistic, might be invented, might be like, so there is no one, no knowledge. The, there's no real source of information than. And or maybe I do have family members that have kids through IVF that they, have, never they, they will never say it. Correct. Yeah. It's no secret that we've been talking about IVF. We've been talking about wanting to start a family. starting a family. And like we started doing a little bit of research online. And it's not like we had anyone else to look up to and ask questions. Like we, except for Instagram, I we think we looked to Instagram. So we yeah. connected with other dads that had gone through IVF or surrogacy and we started asking them questions and a lot of 
these families that share so much of their lives are advocates and are so valuable to the community. Well, they're also in the U.S. And where are other places that you can start your dream team journey or like start kind of looking? Where do you start building the team that you want to start putting together? It really depends, right? Because when you talk about dream team, it's what is the dream team? Mm. So you need to almost think about your ecosystem and you're sitting in the middle of that ecosystem and who is there with you? You're going to have your IVF clinic. Mm -hmm. They're the people obviously are going to make the embryos. They're going to check your sperm. They're going to do the egg donation, all of that. And I didn't even think that was the first thing to look for. I I didn't even realize that. You're talking about moral support and friends and family. No, we went straight to like thinking about who would be our egg donor. Oh, well, but this, you know, we went that far. Okay. I think we even gone as far as steps ahead. Yeah. I think we went even further. We were just like, we need to find a circuit. And I thought, (laughs) we had no idea. But this is the thing. So all of these things are actually, they are independent. Right. You can start with your surrogacy agency, 100%. But what happens if your surrogacy agency presents you with a surrogate and you don't even have embryos? It doesn't have to be a surrogacy agency. In this country, for example, what if your best friend offers to carry? So you, you need somebody to find you a surrogate, be right. it independently or traditionally, like traditional surrogate is a woman who provides the egg and carries the baby. Correct. A gestational surrogate or a gestational carrier is somebody who just goes through the IVF process, i.e. you create the embryos and then you put that into her. So she's not genetically related. Right. right. Okay. So you've got your clinic, you've got the, the way to find the surrogate. You have your lawyer because you need to be legally represented. Correct. But but then now you're bringing words that would paralyze anyone. I'm 37 and you were talking about gay math. Yes. We did talk about gay math. I believe that gays are 25 at any age. If you're gay at 17, you're 25. If you're gay at 72, you're 25. Okay, but why Julio? Because it's like either you're catching up by coming out of the closet late or oh. nobody's telling you like I, my sister and my brother got the sex talk, but I didn't. Uh-huh. So you're learning it from the streets. You're so, always useful. So you're 25 is a good middle age. So I like it. Yeah. Every gay is 25 in their head. So when he says things like your legal team and all that, like I automatically pump the brakes. Yeah. But when you're picking your lawyer, that's one of the most overwhelming things but at the same time and from a lot of our friends experiences and our own experiences like it's pretty much figured out in the u.s it's yeah. pretty easy well you need two lawyers yes mm. one in the states and you need one where you live right so you need one here in australia but actually each like melbourne has lawyers correct sydney has lawyers and brisbane has lawyers so yeah. have you connected with any lawyers in australia absolutely okay. you've got one of the best ones here in melbourne actually she's amazing who's that sarah jeffries sarah jeffers oh, okay yeah, yeah. shout out Shout out. Shout out, Sarah. You're the best. Not sponsored. (laughs) So what about when you're choosing an IVF clinic and when you're choosing Mm -hmm. a surrogacy agency? What is like the top level thing that you should be looking looking for? for? And also, how do you find them? I've got my top top five tips of picking a clinic. But I think one of the the most important things for you is do you get a good feel for when you're talking to the Check the vibe. Yeah. Check the vibe. They're your team, right? You're going to work with them every day. They're going to be your eyes and ears medically. These are the people that are going to get you pregnant, right? Essentially boots on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Success rates, super important. You need to understand what success rates are. Costs, 
obviously. One of the most amazing things, the doctor that is with us here in Australia, mm-hmm. she was saying to us, she has patients that she knows she they will never come to her or they will never come to the US. Right. But she wants to arm them with knowledge. Knowledge. Well, I think there are a lot of people that are very passionate about IVF and helping people start their families. So I right. think that's why they want to just share knowledge and wisdom and education, right? I think this is why we're even doing this episode because obviously we're on the path to one day becoming parents and looking into options and we're in Australia. So it's very very limited. So I think having people like Sandy Schwan and you guys here in Australia is very exciting. And I think it's also empowering. Empowering. Yeah. It's like light at the end of the tunnel kind of moment. It really is. And I think what gets me out of bed every morning, in all honesty, is the fact that I know I'm going to be able to talk to people and I'm going to give them a a glimmer of hope. They are going to be able to go, this is achievable. Mm -hmm. It might not be tomorrow. I may have to go and save, but actually maybe I can break it down into the component parts. I can go and freeze my sperm or I can go and find my egg donor and make embryos. Or Correct. Can, you, know, you you don't have to do it all at once. Right. Yeah. You can break up your journey. Absolutely. And, and that's really important because a lot of people that I talk to don't realize that. They're yeah. like, oh my gosh, I need to come up with all this $200,000. Yeah. And actually. You don't. Yeah. You'll still spend it. <laughs> But just in chunks. Just in chunks. <laughs> yeah. Just in chunks. Exactly. You mentioned something really interesting, which uh, I think when you're connecting with your IVF doctor and they are really educating you and walking you through the whole process and giving you an opportunity for an affordable or free consultation so that you can learn more. When you're partnering with them and they're walking you through the whole process, it's an awesome opportunity for you as a intended intended parent parent or someone who's interested in this process, maybe not ready yet, but you learn so much of the science and like the process and what happens and what to expect. And you really set those expectations Mm -hmm. in that process of, you know, matching with an egg donor and understanding that process of IVF, how does it work? Like typically, what are you, what, what are you really looking for in that part of the process? So when an egg donor comes to the clinic, what they do is something called medical screening. Uh What is that? So they're going to do her genetics. We all carry some form of genetic mutations. They're going to look at her ovaries, see how many eggs she has, like give her all of this basic fertility information. Uh Yes. A lot of people don't realize you're going to go through an IVF cycle, which is the egg donor is going to come in. She's going to do injections. We're going to take out those eggs. We're then going to make embryos and freeze everything that we make correct so in one ivf cycle to your point Mm. you can have multiple embryos say for example you get six or eight and you can then freeze those so you could both of you provide sperm you're making embryos now that you can then use in the future correct i think this is so valuable because a lot of people think especially gay parents right with like two dads they think oh yeah you just mix the sperm together and you put it into the egg it's like not allowed like that's genetics the one thing i want to say about an egg donor and finding the right person, it it can be at least the most jarring immediate experience that you have because it's the first check. It's like literally checking you where it's like, okay, you ready for this? You really want to do this? Are you moving forward? Are you moving forward? This is going to be my child. You are picking the other half of Of your child. child. It's really overwhelming. It's an, uh, oh my gosh, moment. It's a big moment, especially when legal gets involved. I would, I have a different perspective on that because for me to even go with any single part of the process, I am damn sure if I'm already coming in a cup, 
<laughs> like I am ready. This baby's coming. Right. At this point, nothing is going to stop me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, fair enough. At different stages of different parts of this whole journey, hopefully very early on, you go through a psychological screening where you're asked pretty hard questions. I mean, hopefully you're asking those questions yourself and you're having those conversations with your, your family, if you're going on uh, in Single the, journey. On journey by yourself, like you have a good support system or if you have your partner, but hopefully you're making that decision early on. Like, yes, I want to really do this. Correct. But I think that when you put your name on like the legal documents and you have made a financial commitment and a legal commitment and you have really kind of signed all the paperwork, you're starting to read a lot of information. You're starting to consider your will. You're starting to consider when you die, yeah. when, what happens if we break up? What happens on this? What happens with that? Like you're really kind of looking really fully. It's very heavy. And it it's gets really heavy. And I'm, I, I, you know, I have an ex-husband and I have a boyfriend. Right. I have embryos with my ex-husband. Or Correct. Because we both have to sign so, a document that his genetic material, his, his embryos are his. Mine Correct. are mine, right? These are things that you need to think about because think about this. Say you do not have a will and for one reason or other you pass away. What's going to happen to those embryos? They are going to pass to your estate and somebody else then has to make a choice about what's going to happen. Mm. So if your children are old enough, they are making a decision about their brothers and sisters. That's right. Which like, is basically by the time that happened, probably the government will destroy it because there's a whole topic that is really uh, dark and we really have to... Uh, make moves around it because the loss of embryos are very murky. Mm. Something that I wanted to ask you from the very beginning is, (laughs) so when you're in your relationship and then you're going through this process, it's like planning a wedding. You can get like groomzilla. Is there there a moment that you think you can have, you had a a tension in the relationship that it it was like... You didn't agree with? Babyzilla or or something? I have an ex-husband. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I think speaking that that, answers that. Let's, let's move on swiftly yeah. from that. But, very not swiftly. The, but, not, but the kids are no. 12. No, not no, no, in no, the no, middle of age. No, he, he's a very, very yeah. nice man and we're great friends. Exactly. He's, he's just joking. Um, I think it's very easy to get overwhelmed when you're doing anything. Yes. And and going back to what we were saying before about having your team, your ecosystem, that part of that ecosystem is the support network. Yeah. And having the people who are there to guide you and and frankly, to be that shoulder that is going, they just sometimes just to listen. Correct. Really important. And and it can be that it could be your doctor. It could be your lawyer. It could be, it could be anybody. It could exactly. be me. Right? Exactly. Like, I'm like, reach out to us. We, That's we, right. We've done it. Like, we'll help you. And like you guys say on your podcast, right? Like, you know, you're not lawyers, you're not doctors, but you guys have been through the process. You are a dad, but you picked your egg donors and navigating the legal process. What are some of the things that you personally learned about or needed to navigate when you went through your journey? Well, I, I think we hit it on the, the nail on the head earlier when we were saying things about the legals, right? right? In the United States, everybody's legally protected. In the UK, you're not. For example, if you are a surrogate and you're carrying a baby with no genetic link and you give birth to that baby, you have legal rights to that child. Correct. You don't. In America, you don't. Like that's all court. You have a court judgment. So it's like the parentage order, right? So like yeah. the main thing is uh, from what we've understood is that the parentage order is filed before you even go into what well, depends in the u.s in the u.s you can have a pre-birth state or a post-birth state right so a pre-birth state is where at around 26 weeks of pregnancy you go to court and the court says the second this child is born it's yours you can't do it before because obviously it's in uteros a post-birth state which is what i had 
is the child is born and then you go to court to be recognized. So there's this weird... Is it like adoption or is it different? It, well, you can. it's different. You can do step-parent adoption, which you have to do in certain states, which is where the genetic father is on the birth certificate and then the non-genetic father has to do a step-parent adoption. Interesting. Yeah, but then there are lots of other states, California being one of them, you're parent one, parent two. Right. But my children have, I think, five or six birth certificates. Wow. So they have one. Wow. I am trying to find my birth certificate from Venezuela. And then if somebody has to tell me that I have five. Yeah. But they literally, they have one with the surrogate's name on it. They have one with the surrogate and parent one. Wow. They have one with parent one. Then they have one with parent one and two Stop it. in America. So do they eventually get destroyed in like the most li- yeah. the latest uh-huh. one? Is the- it becomes a sealed record. Okay. Okay. And then they have a UK one recognizing the American one. Wow. It's, it's, it, it's crazy. Wow. But yeah, my kids have five birth certificates. And that's the easiest part. If you have to go to different countries in Europe, you have to mm-hmm. go through adoption. Yeah. So if we could just simplify that in a way that it sounds positive and just... Again, a glimmer of hope. Mm-hmm. How can you describe that process? Well, I guess a genetic parent is always going to be on the birth certificate. Right. And what we're seeing in Europe is non-genetic parents being removed from birth certificates. For oh. example, in Italy. It's happened now, I think, five or six times where the government has removed one of the mothers from the birth certificate saying, this is not right. That's crazy. That, but the genetic parent will always be on that birth certificate. Yeah. So- it sounds hilarious to me that when there's this lot of conversation about what's best for the child, but you're creating so much trauma yeah. in the core parental unit or the, the people that are caring for that child and going through that. And like, I'm sure everyone who is in these situations tries their hardest to protect their children, but there's just so much legal loopholes loopholes and trauma yeah. and, and just so much sadness and confusion and dehumanizing dehumanizing yeah. when i met richard for me i'd say it to him every day i want the happy meal i want the fries the burgers and the soda i wouldn't want him just alone Aww. like the kids are part of him i knew what i was getting into well, everyone has a life, right? Like everyone has a life before you meet somebody. So you always yeah. come with something, whether it's baggage, whether it's exes, whether it's kids, whether we it's- ghost them. We ghost them, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once you've matched with your egg donor, you've answered the legal and then you find your gestational surrogate yeah. or your surrogate. I think like, what would you say like are some tips that people can set that are going through the journey to kind of stay resilient and stay on track and stay on that end goal. We're talking about this process like it's incredibly easy. Right. It isn't. It's not. Emotionally, it's a roller coaster. So I think the, my top tip is figure out the ways to make the highs less high and the lows less low. Right. It's always going to be up and down. And how are you going to do that? Well, that's by, again, going back to your ecosystem. Mm. You've got to trust your doctor. You've got to trust your support system. They've got to be there. And, and that's not always easy. Right. But I have an open donor or a known donor. And once a year we email. So I send her an email, a picture of the children, what they've done that year. And that's then sweet. she replies. That's nice. Which is amazing because actually that I have, we have a record of every year oh, sweet. going back 12 years so that if the children ever decide to reach out to her to say, Hey, why did you do an egg donation? What's going on? At least she has an inkling of 
who they are and, and they can have the And same. did you do that with your surrogate also? Do you still remain so we in touch were, with her? We were, we were in touch with our surrogate for many years. Yeah. Um, and one reason or another, we're not now. Yeah, fair. You know, again, life, life happens. Over time, yeah, life yeah. changes, exactly. Yeah. But I think going back to what you were just saying about, you know, post-surrogacy, you become a parent. Mm. Doesn't, you know, everyone says, oh, you're a gay dad. Well, I'm a dad. I'm a dad, exactly. Yeah, a dad. It doesn't matter how you get there, exactly. right? Exactly. Yes. During the process, again, you just need to communicate. Uh-huh. You've got to be able to have the ability to communicate with the people that are helping you, the professionals. This is their job. Yes. Um, and if you're not getting those answers... Remember, it comes back to the ecosystem. Your lawyers know the clinic. Mm. The clinic knows the agency. The agency knows the lawyers. Like they all know each other. Yeah. So if you're having a challenge, talk to someone. Talk to someone. Yeah. I feel like it's very similar. We got married like about a year and a half ago and we were speaking with vendors, like photographers yeah. and receptions and videographers. Everyone was like, who are you working with? Who is this person? Like, we Let know everybody. You. Let me give you referrals, right? And I feel like it's similar to you, right? Like yeah. you're like, starting point you can refer people to their ivf clinics or you can refer them to their surrogacy agency and then that builds the entire team right it really does but you have to be careful with that because sometimes you don't know what the vested interest of the referral is correct right so there are great networks out there men having babies gays with kids i know you guys know them very well as well they are fantastic organizations we can help you right but it's almost like you need to really think through what is working for you mm-hmm. because there's that asymmetry of information. I have all the info, but you don't know what you don't know. All you right. also taught us something very um, fascinating, which we share with everyone that we know oh now. God, what did I say? And it is the fact that for all the men out there, the load that you ejaculate on that day wasn't created that day. No. It was created how many days, Richard? About 60, 40, 60. 70 days before. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. So, which I is hold on crazy. to that knowledge. So I know. Well, everyone. you've got to listen on Wednesday to my podcast because I'm talking about all me, me blowing my load. Everything sperm related? Yes. Everything sperm related. Now I know why you have your briefs and your boxer shorts. Boxer yeah. Shorts. Don't wear Separate. tight pants. Anything like- that heats up your balls is going to be bad for sperm. So um, anything that you put into your body up to basically two and a half months before you ejaculate is going to affect your sperm. So smoking, drinking, alcohol is stress. Stress is bad. But what is good? Antioxidants, coenzyme Q10. Right. Like all of those things working out, but hot saunas, steam rooms, hot yoga, yoga, no bueno. Well, Julio and Richard, thank you guys so much for joining Modern Gaze. We're glad that we got to get you while you were down under in Melbourne, Australia. Thank you for having us. It's been fabulous. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing your story and lighting the path for creating an LGBTQ plus family. Yes, of course. Well, remember everyone listening at home that you're not alone and there's a whole community here to support you. For more stories like Richard and Julio's, head over to our website and follow us on Instagram at Modern Gaze. We've also included links to connect with these IVF daddies in our episode notes. So check that out. And we'll be back next week with more amazing relationship advice from Love Daddy Trev. Hey, Gary, I think there's a trend here surrounding ourselves with some daddies. Oh my gosh, IVF daddies, love daddies, and soon maybe we'll be calling ourselves modern daddies too. Maybe soon. Until next week, keep owning your authentic self and building that vibrant life you've always wanted. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Modern Gaze. We hope you're enjoying our podcast so far. Make sure that you follow turn on alerts, and even turn on auto-downloads so that you get our episodes first. 
Our episodes come out every Tuesday and they stream anywhere podcasts play. <laughs>